Today we got a great show for you. We're going to talk about what the Wu-Tang Clan has to do with drug prices and why my partner, Dr. Suggers, massive pectoral muscles may equate to him living longer. Stick around. You're listening to Recommended Daily Dose with Drs. Clinton Coleman and Suraj Sugger, the not-so-average health show with a unique spin on what's making headlines in healthcare. Welcome to Recommended Daily Dose. I am Dr. Clinton Coleman, and he is... Dr. Surad Sugger, Chief Infectious Disease, Holy Name Medical Center. Why do you have to say chief every time? Well, I like to... I'm chief me, of nephrology. Well, it makes me feel important. All right, you, you toot know. your own horn. No one, no one ever tells me I'm important, so I have to at least... Well, thanks for tuning in and subscribing. Today we have a great show. Um, first topic is pretty heavy, but I wanted to start off talking about drug prices. So I don't know if you know that Johnson & Johnson, starting in March... Uh, is going to include the price of their prescription drugs and TV ads. So I tell you what, a lot of patients, I think, uh, in the general public in, in general, uh, are confused, right? They'll say, uh, Doc, that's great, you're prescribing a drug, but can I afford it? Is it going in your pocket? Whose pocket is it going into? What's the real cost? And why does it cost so much to begin with? So I really hope you can break it down today. Right, so this started uh, you know, after the White House made some proposals to have the drug companies list their prices if uh, the drugs were paid for by Medicare and Medi- Medicaid in their TV ads. The idea is to promote some transparency and actually help lower prices of drugs through competition. And the major topic is, you know, the rising health care costs and how it, you know, it's just a bane on the economy. Uh, and, the main and, it's, and really it's unsustainable, correct? I mean, right. So forward. Medicare is not sustainable. Uh, we spend billions and trillions of dollars on uh, health insurance, and the main driving factor of that is prescription drugs. Um, I don't know if you know, but uh, we Americans pay more than prescription drugs for any industrialized country. I think that's a theme we've seen a lot, right? We spend more than a lot of other industrialized countries across the board, right. not always with better uh, outcomes. So something cheap like uh, ciprofloxacin, which is for antibiotic, as you know. For, I think I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, how much do you think it costs to make? Oh, to make, uh, you know, it's it's generic. Uh, I can't imagine costing more than a couple bucks, perhaps. No, pennies on the dollar. Pennies on the dollar. In the UK, it's 18 cents a tablet. So how much it costs here? It's about $3. You know how I know? Because I was going to the Dominican Republic, and I wanted to take some uh, Cipro just for prophylaxis. Right. Um, I forgot my insurance card. I didn't want to go home, so I said, you know, I'll, I'll just pay cash. You'll pay pesos, And my yeah. insurance, I have a, I have a copay for, for drugs. I think the copay is about $10. Right. So they charged me $6. I was like, why is it? that? That's odd, right? I could have just paid, you know, for the medication without insurance. Sure. But I would have paid more if I used my insurance. So that's something else I want to talk about uh, in the future. But the goal is, the, the point is that we're prescribing less overall. We're using more generics as opposed to brands. Um, but, you know, the drug prices year over year are increasing uh, even for generics, so you know, ten percent each year, which is much more than inflation. You, you know, see perfect, higher prices. Sure, and perfect example. You know, there's certain antibiotics that I use uh, that when they were uh, under patent, under trade, we knew they were expensive. We have to get them pre-authorized, et cetera. Once they went off patent and they became uh, generic, one would assume, perhaps, that uh, it would be now more affordable. It's not always the case. In fact, it's still unbelievable to me how expensive some of these generic medications are. And I think it's important for listeners out there to realize that just because a drug is generic. Right. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be inexpensive. And I think the problem is that the, the cash doesn't change from hand to hand, right? So there's a intermediary, this insurance company. So I really don't know the cost of a medication. There's a I'm lot not, of intermediaries in the, in, yeah, exactly. in the medical so, business. Exactly, because I'm not paying yeah. you directly. Correct. 
it's some somebody in the cloud is paying for the medication, and I don't understand the cost of it. Um, it'd be different if we had to go to the store and, and pay for it. Imagine if your car every year, the same car, the same model, increased 10% each year. You'd, you'd lose your mind, right? Of course, right. You wouldn't want to buy that car. And the reason why this is also important is because, you know, everyone's going to be on prescription medication. So if you're 65 and older, 95, 91% of the people are at least on one prescription. So it's a multi-billion, trillion-dollar industry. Are you which, taking anything right now? Uh, currently, no. I'm taking a multivitamin. It's a multivitamin. Yeah, what about you? Uh, you know, I've been on a statin drug, uh, a drug for my cholesterol since I was 28. We'll actually talk about maybe why in the, in the next episode. But in the meantime, you're right. Uh, as we get older, chances of us being on at least one, if not many, what we call polypharmacy, will only increase uh, the chances as our ages uh, progress. So how do we get to this place where, you know, you could pay one year and, two th- and 10 years ago you could pay $20 for some insulin. Now it's $250. Um, where are the checks and balances? It's kind of like supply and demand on steroids sure. where the manufacturer sets the price, there's no competition, and the insurance, whether it's Medicare or Medicaid, is obligated to pay regardless of the, the price. So um, it's just some historical context. It's initially started, um, the prices start to skyrocket when um, these ph- uh, pharmaceutical companies came out with these so- so-called blockbuster drugs. So things like Lipitor, things for your high cholesterol. Right. So they're supposed to treat large public health problems like diabetes, even Viagra, pressure. you know, for erectile dysfunction is sure. a large public health problem, right? Um, and then, so that was a supply issue, right? Um, and then it morphed into these demand drugs, so these orphan drugs, which I'm sure you see a lot, these, a lot these drugs for these rare diseases. Right, especially infectious diseases, oftentimes drugs of uh, third world countries, uh, of uh, drugs of poverty. You know, we don't have a huge uh, um, percent of the population that are affected, so they're treating very specific uh, small populations. You know, one um, we can talk about is really a drug called Daraprim, uh, which we use in the ID world for toxoplasmosis. Right. So that guy, he bought the company, right, Turing Pharmaceuticals, and originally the drug was $13, and he raised it to $750 overnight. This is the guy also known as the pharmacy bro, I believe. I didn't know yeah, that. That's, but, yeah, um, that's a little trivia for you. For I'm charge. upset with him because he made so much money, he bought the Wu-Tang album. So they made this one original album. Right. Then just one copy, they sold it to him for $2 million. And you were hoping to snag it, is that right? But he also didn't want to release it, too. So now he's in jail, so I think the, the feds have it, so maybe we'll get to hear it. But, um, you know, that that upset me a little bit, so I know I know the RZA. You know the RZA And, uh, you know, well, that's a side note, but, you know, I met him when I was uh, a first-year medical resident living in Jersey City. He was my next-door neighbor. I actually moved in wearing a Wu-Tang T-shirt, so uh, maybe he would have given me the album. Who All knows? Right. Shout-out to the Wu-Tang Clan. All right. Do you do you rap? You want to? Uh, I do, but I'm gonna do that actually on a later episode. So, <laughs> I actually do a, a bit of Bollywood uh, singing as well as rap. So I kind of cover I would, all bases. I would pay money to see that. <laughs> um, another side of this, which I think I didn't really know much about, and I'm not sure if you know a lot about, but there's another entity called the uh, pharmacy benefit managers. So they so called middleman. I yeah, think. they serve as middlemen. So um, if you look on the back of your insurance card, you'll see. Uh, you'll see your insurance carrier, but you'll also see another company. So insurance companies actually don't pay for prescription drugs anymore. They outsource it to these other companies, these pharmacy benefit managers. Um, these names sound familiar. The most uh, notable ones are Express Scripts, OptumRx, and uh, CVS. CVS Caremark's a big player, especially in our area. Yeah. And they actually have a monopoly on the industry, so they control about 80% of the industry. 
Uh, and if you look on the Forbes list, they're all in the top 20. So that's a $300 billion revenue So why don't you explain year. how it works? I think myself included, probably very few people really understand how this works right. out. So it's complex on purpose, right? So you know, ignorance is bliss. So if you don't know what's going on, then you're just, you know, in la-la land and you know, they're making money hand over foot. But so the way it normally works is the manufacturer makes a drug, the doctor writes a prescription, the pharmacy fills it. And the patient doesn't pay the pharmacy, he doesn't pay the insurance, but he pays the, we call it PBM, or the pharmacy benefit manager, who then pays the insurance, the pharmacy, but then skims some off the top for itself. So instead of direct-to-consumer selling these drugs, they're selling it to basically a middleman right. who is pocketing some uh, aspect of the money. And they've and made it a the note period. to keep that those list prices secret. Secret, right. So you only know what you get. You don't know what, what the cost balance the cost effect is. And that's what we're trying to uh, make more transparent. All right. So let me make it more you know, easier to digest. So um, you like Twinkies, right? You know, I used to eat them all the time all as right. a kid. So yeah. let's say for the argument's sake, let's say, say a Twinkie costs $1 to make. I'm sure it's uh, cheaper. Um, your local bodega sells it for $2, right? So I'm the middleman. You send me to the store. I charge you $10 copay. I pay the bodega $2, and I keep the difference. But the only person who knows... You know, the actual price is price. me. Um, and also I can control which other cakes are on the formulary, right? So I can just make it all Twinkies on the formulary. So no, so you can't get Little Debbie's. You no can't, Little Debbie's? Nothing, right? No Mr. Donut, nothing, yeah. What are the ones, that, the black Twinkies, what are they called? Uh, Ringdings, uh, maybe Ringdings, I'm not sure. You know, I wasn't allowed to eat those things when I was a kid. Both my parents are doctors, so I can only eat apples. But the original goal of these companies was to negotiate discounts from drunk companies and, and pharmacies. Uh, but now we see that they're you know, taking money off the top, um, anywhere from $3 to $5 per claim. So, so you you're can saying originally that. they were supposed to make key prices down, but essentially they are controlling um, which drugs are on the formulary, and they were able to pay off both the pharmacy as well as uh, pay uh, the manufacturer and keep a difference, of the drug, of which no one else knows what the actual no difference is. No one else is. knows, so there's no transparency. So. Right. Uh, they offer rebates, and they decide how much to keep, how much to pay the insurance company. So it's now, a, correct me if I'm wrong, but this almost sounds like something from a mob movie. Yeah, you know, Middlemen, right? the Federal Trade Commission, you know, is looking to get involved. But I think uh, your president, uh, Donald Trump, was, you know, he spoke about this as trying to get rid of this this middleman. So, and that's one way to cut costs. So if you know, if the Twinkie costs a dollar. You know, you shouldn't be able to pay, you know, not multiples of it. But So Johnson Johnson starting next month, uh, having the price of the drugs in these TV ads with these direct-to-consumer ads will right. do what? Will raise awareness of what the actual so After you see the guy, in, you know, walking through the forest with his wife and kids. Driving the car in the Smiling about his you, right? chronic disease. You know, they'll <laughs> tell you about the, um, the side effects, you know, nausea, vomiting, mud, butt, death, things like that. It's always death. That's right. Right, right. It'll cost $1,500 before insurance. So, um, you know, they're worried, the insurance companies, obviously, that it'll steer patients away from uh, getting the medication. medication, Um, But I think it'll help us actually get an idea of what we're paying for and, you know, the cost effect of a lot of these medications. Um, So I didn't mean to bum everyone out with that. This was a bit heavy, but I think the fact that you could talk about Twinkies and the Wu-Tang – and drug prices. I tied it I all in, right? It really, uh, I'm very impressed. Wow. I don't get impressed easily, uh, certainly not by you, but uh, today. Now, if the Wu Tang clan made Twinkies, that'd be. That'd be even better. That'd be win win. That's right. 
All right. So tell me about uh, your pecs. Well, I don't know about my pecs being uh, very large, but what I will tell you is a very interesting study uh, coming out in JAMA this past week, and it was actually done at Harvard. What's JAMA? I don't know. Uh, it's Journal it's of American uh, Medical Association. It's not a reggae band, right? It, it could be. It depends. But I think most people know JAMA, New England Journal of Medicine, these major sure. medical publications. But okay. uh, if we don't, then JAMA is Journal of American Medical uh, Association. One of the very reputable, right? Very reputable, peer-reviewed, and uh, you know certainly a gold standard amongst most physicians in terms of uh, looking at uh, new uh, studies that are coming out. And this particular issue, they actually showed that uh, you could use push-ups to predict one's cardiovascular risk in the next 10 years. So why is that important? Let's back it up. Uh, what's the leading killer globally, men and women across the board? Push-ups. Mm. Heart disease. Not exercise, actually, but cardiovascular disease. So, again, we're talking heart attacks, strokes, and everything leading uh, associated with such. And there's a lot of evidence out there that if you increase the amount of physical fitness, you decrease your risk of cardiovascular events. So we know that that's not probably rocket science or yeah. brain science, right? But few have really studied simple, inexpensive measures of functional status. So you can look at echoes and fancy cardiac catheterizations and things that you can do in cardiac uh, stress CT test. scores, stress tests. These cost a lot of money. These are in, sometimes invasive. They require a lot of follow-up with physicians uh, to get one's risk. What if you had a very simple thing that anyone could do at home that's essentially inexpensive, like a push-up? So this study actually followed uh, men over the age of 18, basically between the age of 18 and 65, over a decade. And they found and stay with me now. Those who could do 40 push-ups or more, I'm sure that's both. I know I can do 40. You can't do 40 push-ups. Well, stay tuned for after the show because I'm going to show you. But if you can do 40 push-ups or more during that time period, so in a time, I don't mean you can do 40 push-ups in a whole day. If you could do it, let's say, 40 push-ups in a minute and a half. Oh, but you made it seem like you can do 40 push-ups straight. Oh, I can. And the study is saying I so. challenge you to do 40 push-ups. Well, we may have to. Why don't we start a hashtag? Hashtag. Hashtag uh, push 40 push-up challenge. We, we, we'll, we'll do that. All right, good. And we'll have to find a, uh, a good benefit, something it can benefit. But you basically, uh, it said that you can decrease. The study showed that you decrease your chance of developing cardiovascular problems. So in other words, a push-up was a marker of your overall fitness and your overall risk of cardiovascular disease. And that's what we, you know, in medicine, cardiology, internal medicine, we're trying to constantly put people's risk in perspective and put them in groups so you know, A, how aggressively to treat them, how aggressively to follow them, what screening tests need to be done, right? We use this as well as things like your sex, male versus female, if you have other comorbidities, whether you smoke, you don't smoke, you have diabetes. Well, we we kind of use functional capacity to Yeah, but like again, but this is a climbing. very simple uh, right. thing, right? So this is something that can be incorporated in any routine. Does that have to be push-ups? Can you do burpees or? Uh, well, you know what? Let's say someone like you who perhaps jacks. is not as in good shape uh, as someone is like me. Uh -huh. You can make it easier. You can use your knees. Uh, maybe I can make it harder. I can clap in between my push-ups. I used to be able to do a one-arm push-up. Right. See, I can never do one of them, so we'll call, you, we'll, we'll call you Rocky one. from now on. But again, this is a simple, no-cost measure of cardiovascular status. Um, whether you can use burpees, jumping jacks, you know, this study looked only at push-ups. Obviously, this is firefighters, age 18 to 65, so uh, not see, a very— that's, that's not fair. Not a very diverse, right. So that's what it comes to. When you look at these studies, you always have to look, are there other factors let's, at play? Let's pick the healthiest— strongest and member of our and, society. And quite frankly, perhaps not the most diverse right. cohort, right? So we would like to see studies that are larger, that are longer, and that have more diverse cohorts. But the theme makes sense, right? If you're animals. able to you know, do a certain amount of exercise that may translate to better heart health or cardiovascular health in the future. And you know, this is probably not a direct association. This is probably you know, a direct correlation. This might be just associative. So 
you know, someone who can do more push-ups probably eats healthier. Maybe they're uh, more in tune to their uh, overall health. Maybe they're also doing more anaerobic and, and aerobic exercises. But the fact remains that this idea of a 40 push-up challenge might not be a bad idea. So hashtag 40 push-up challenge. That's right. You'll be the first one. So re- you record yourself and you, I guess, you, what do you do, at or how do they do it on Instagram and Twitter? Oh, you're the Instagram king, not me. I don't know. Um, you challenge someone to do a push-up, and you can if you if you win, Doctor Sugger will come to your house and wash your clothes or something. Watch your kids. Uh, I'll wash your kids. Yeah, sure. Right, cool, cool. You know, so if you want to hear more, or if you want to see what happens with Doctor Coleman and his forty push-up challenge, subscribe holyname.org slash recommend daily dose, or find us on iTunes or Spotify. Be sure to uh, subscribe and rate if you are so inclined. In the meantime, I'm your host, Dr. Serge Sugger. I'm Dr. Clinton Coleman, King Push-Up. See you next time. Check out recent episodes and learn more about these two modern medicine men and their podcast at holyname.org slash recommended daily dose.